Hi, hello. Welcome to episode number four of the Seasonal Anime Checkup OVA. I'm Jared, and I'm flying solo this episode. I would, I would say like this week or something, but this podcast comes out at such regular times that there's really no timetable to do that. This is going to be a little bit of a different podcast, or at least an episode of this podcast, especially because A, I'm by myself, a uh, good pal, friend of the site, Ann Ladium, is has some personal stuff going on, so send her some well wishes if you can. And B, this is going to be kind of like a review of a game that I played. I was going to actually, you know, type it up on the computer and do that sort of thing, but I thought, you know, let's try something different and do it verbally, do it in the form of a podcast. We're going to talk about Steins Gate Zero. It is a... I really don't know how you would describe it. I saw the word midquel going around, and that seems like a terrible word, but it is also like the one way to describe it, because it takes place technically after some of the events of the true ending of the original Steins Gate, but goes forth from it from like the good good ending of that game excuse me so technically it doesn't hit the true ending quite yet until like the very 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 end of the of the game so it's weird it's like a prequel sequel but not really it's very confusing but i i want to talk about this game because i really wanted to like this game essentially because i liked i like the original steins gate especially because i mean it took a while for me to get there about like halfway through the game because like the first half of that game it starts real slow there's a lot of like technical jargon and info dumps you get you know piled on you at the beginning of that game the humor of that game isn't necessarily my favorite i mean it might be for some people but for me i'm not really into like copious amounts of you know perverted or slash quote-unquote otaku humor like that just stuff doesn't fly for me and you still get some of that in this game so that was really grown and cringeworthy but like halfway through that game the first one Something just clicked, and I was like, "All right, I am ready for whatever this game is going to throw at me." Because it just started getting like more crazier and crazier, and it's like the lead up to like the final, the final run where like it does fake out endings and all that sort of stuff. Which I, I am a huge fan of fake out endings, no matter like how tropey they may be or anything like that. You put that in a game, I'm like, "All right, all right, I am, I am totally down for this." So when this game came or was announced, Steins Gate Zero. I really didn't read up much about it because I want to go in as kind of fresh as possible. I knew, like, they're making an anime of this game. This is, like, something to do. It's either a sequel or a prequel. That's basically all I knew. And that, like, I think I kind of also knew that it was going after, like, the good ending of the game, not the true ending. So, I guess, first and foremost, I should probably preface this earlier. To do a discussion about this game, there's going to be spoilers. I'm going to try and skirt around some of them as best as I can. But in order to really describe like, you know, like some of the things I have to talk about with this game, I have to talk about story elements because, you know, it's a visual novel. There's nothing like gameplay wise I can really talk about. It's, it's all story. So to do it justice, I couldn't like, you know, skirt around everything and try and make this as spoiler free as possible. It has to have some form of spoiler. So if you haven't played through the game and you want to or you're midway through, you're trying to get like all the endings to get to the true ending and all that sort of stuff. You might want to turn this off right now and come back to it later when you've a beaten the game or you're into that. You want to, you want to know like all the information coming out of it. If not, you know, let's just just keep keep this thing going. Keep playing it. And I will try and do my best to tell you all about this game. 
So the way Steins Gate Zero goes off, like like I said, it goes off of the good ending to where the good ending of the original game essentially is you go back to try and save Makase. You fail because she runs in front of the knife that you're going to shank uh, Nakabachi with. She runs in front of that, and then you essentially, quote-unquote, kill her, even though she kind of... It's not like you're like, hey, bam, I'm going to stab you. It's like, it's accidental. But that really tears up Okabe, and when he comes back, he's like, I'm not going back. I'm not doing it again. I can't do it. And then, like, in the true ending of Steins Gate, the original game, he gets a wake-up slap from Mayuri, and that kind of, like, tries to get his senses back rolling, and then he's able to go back and save her for realsies. But... This game starts off with that, the good ending, where essentially he vehemently or vehemently protests and refuses to go back again. He's like, nope, nope, I am done. This isn't happening. And then you get a time jump from that June, July, somewhere around that time, up until like October, November, to where like he's distanced himself from everyone. He's like focused on school and all of that. He's going to this lecture where this this cool university professor from America is coming to talk about AIs and all that sort of stuff. That's where like the game kind of picks back up. But essentially from that time jump, he's basically been like, Nope, I'm not going back. I don't want to have anything to do with this. I can't handle it. That's just not for me. And I say like one of the good things that Steins Gate zero does is has like a portrayal of mental health that I think is pretty accurate. I mean, I couldn't say, you know, for certain. I'm like, I'm not a psychology expert or anything like that. But the way that his trauma affects him through the game, like, there's a scene where you see him go through therapy. It's like, it's a hypnotism type of therapy. So I don't know, like, how legit that is. But, like, you see him going through at least some form of therapy. And then anytime anyone, or he even, even he thinks about Makase and, like, the events that led up to her death. Like, it's an instant trigger for him to where he's like, I got to vomit right now or like, or I'm going to pass out or something bad's going to happen. Like, it's affecting him terribly. And I think like that's maybe like one of the few good things this game does is like it gives you that portrayal of like trauma and mental health to where like some something real bad happens to a person like it's going to affect them in in a variety of different ways. And I think this game does a real good job of that. But on the other hand... This game does, I think, a lot of things real poorly. And in the effect that, like, it's a sequel that didn't need to be made. And by that, I mean, like, the story itself doesn't necessarily add much of anything to the overall story narrative of the entire, like, Steins Gate universe. Because essentially, it's just filling in all these plot holes. Or I guess you could, you could say plot holes, or just these, these random holes that... Maybe the first game had, maybe the first game didn't have, but now we're just going to address them anyways. So essentially, it's telling you like how you get from the good ending in Steins Gate all the way to the true ending, which means you're going through like 20 hours of like a few, like a few seconds in the original game to lead up to that point. It's, it's, it gets real convoluted in ways that it, this game didn't need to be convoluted, or this entire series didn't need to be convoluted. Let's talk about some of the new characters they add into this game. Like there is a group of girls that cosplay with Mayuri. One of them is Fubuki. She essentially becomes one of the patients for this new disease or virus or whatever they, they have coming around. And essentially this, this illness, I guess that would be the, the more correct word 
is a version of reading Steiner, the ability that Okabe had to, to tell when the world line would shift. And for all these people that are developing this, this illness, they have a connected world line that they keep going to and seeing where Japan is at war and everything. And they do like, they describe this in the very early parts of the game, but then never really go anywhere with it. It's just like, Hey, this girl has it. That's kind of bad. And then like in some of the endings, when you get to like some of the batter and the worst, the bad endings, the batter endings, that's a goofy way to say that. When you get to some of those worst endings, like it's essentially just brought up as a plot point. Like, Hey, she told me about this. Hey, hey, you know, you have this too, right? And that's literally just it. Like, they really don't go anywhere with it. And it's a real big missed opportunity, I think. Because especially with the way they introduce it is like her having flashbacks to Mayuri dying and all the and uh, the other world line, which never took place in the world line they're in now. But then they just never go anywhere with it. Uh, one of the other new characters they bring in, uh, Maho Hiyajo, is a good addition to the series. But I think she kind of borders in a way more to being like the Makase type character that the game was lacking, which kind of, it's a disservice to her considering like, you know, they're very similar, but she's not necessarily Makase. Like she battles with this, um, this inner turmoil about how she thought she was just like this genius and was going to like lead, do all these cool science stuff. But then Makase comes in and like everyone starts praising her instead of Maho and, like, she has this, like, resentment slash jealousy slash affection for Makase. But then she never gets to really act on any of it because, like, she Makase dies, obviously, in this world line. And there's the turmoil of that. And then Maho's just a fun character as well. Like, she 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 has to go through, like, all of the weird shit that the rest of, the, like, Okabe and all his gang, like, thrust on her. And, and she's just like, what the hell is all of this? Like, what? <laughs> I don't understand any of this. And she's like, she has some good comic relief bits as well. Especially like the first time you take her to May Queen, she's just like, "Uh, this is a culture shock in a way. I don't understand any of this." And that's fun as well. But I don't know if they use her character in the best ways possible. Let's just say there is also another character they introduce, who is Kagari who is the adopted daughter of future Mayuri from twenty thirty six, who goes back in time with Suzuha and then gets lost in like 1998 or 2000 in that two year in between those two years, I think somewhere around there. And then depending on which world or like uh, branching path you go on, cause there's a branching path at one point where I think it's literally just you turn your phone on or off. That's the branching path. So one will take you to where Kagari becomes a part of the group. The other one will take you to where Kagari is essentially an enemy of the group. Cause she's been brainwashed, which they touch on on the other side where, when she's with you in that group. But it doesn't necessarily come back to bite you. Like, it kind of does in the other one. She's an alright character, I guess. I mean, I don't know. I think I would have been fine if if she didn't become, like, a big role in this. Like, a lot of it... A lot of the other one when she's an enemy of you is, like, Susan has, like, looking for her. Because she's like, I lost her, like, 12 years ago. I still have no idea where she is. Which is obvious because, like, you know, the the main antagonist group basically picks her up and then does some brainwashing stuff to her and all that sort of stuff. That's why she, you know, Suzuha can't find her. But other than that, like, I don't know. It's like she... There's also the other part of the story where in the other... When the other world line, I guess you could call it, 
when she's a part of the group, she basically has Makase's memories downloaded into her, and she's starting to become Makase, and that's all sort of weird. Like, it, it doesn't really make much sense. It's eh, strange. Oh, yeah, and then they brought back Makase as an AI, which I... Sure, I guess. If you're, if you're, if you're going to just kill her off, technically, you got to bring her back somehow. Why not bring her back as an AI? I don't know. There's just a lot of this game to where, looking back on it, it's just a lot of questions of, like, why would you do this, and was this necessary? Especially with how Okabe, going back to our original point when we first started talking about this, how he's so against going back and trying to save her. Like, he doesn't even want to try. He does it once. He's like, nope, I can't do it. Clearly, there's no reason to go back and try again. I, no, one person can't do all this to make the the world lines converge and all that stuff. There was another game I played last year. It was called Shadow Hearts Covenant or Shadow Hearts 2, depending on which area of the world you're in. And that game goes off of the bad ending of the original Shadow Hearts, where the female deuteragonist, I believe that's how I'm supposed to say that, dies in the bad ending. And basically the main character, Yuri, goes off in, in Shadow Hearts 2 and is just trying to figure out like what to do and if there's any way to bring her back. Like Anytime anyone's like, hey, I have this idea, maybe we can bring her back. He's like, all right, let's do it. I'm down. Like The way he handles that loss of his loved one it's just like a polar opposite of how Okabe handles it. I mean, it may not be technically fair to compare these two games and the way they handle, like, you know, their loss and trauma and all that sort of stuff. Like, I mean, Yuri in Shadow Hearts is haunted by all sorts of demons, literally and figuratively. But he still has the wherewithal to think like, hey, if there's a way I can bring bring my love back, I will totally do it there's no real hesitation for him like he's not gonna like sit around and say like oh i can't do it there's no reason for me to do it i can't do it can't do it at all like anytime he's like there's this he is just like gung-ho about like hey if there is a way i can do it i will do it but okabe since he fails the first time he's just vehemently like nope can't do it nope 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 and i think that's just like one of the things that derail this game for a bit because like if you go through the true ending of the original game, and he gets slapped, and then, like, gets talked back into doing it, like, it doesn't take much for him to go back and try and save her a second time, but in this, it's just, like, he just gives up, and it just, it's just boring to just watch him just be, you know, almost cowardly in a way, even though, like, that's, that's probably harsh, but he just, he never tries. He never tries to come to grips with any of it. It's just, like, he, all the trauma is destroying him so much that he just can't which I mean that makes sense with the way like the trauma he's gone through has affected him but it almost undercuts all of the characterization that he had from the first game and just like roots him back back to like this this very crumbling shell of a, of a person and just it doesn't help like it, a lot of it is just like I don't I don't think it's necessary to his character it doesn't really give you a big a, a big bowl of satisfaction when he you know he puts on the lab coat and when he becomes hoeing again like there's no like all oh, right yeah you kind of figure that like the game's gonna go down that path but like i don't know like there was no like yeah moment when he did that i was like okay well he's doing that that makes sense he's finally you know getting back to his senses 
that's the way I felt. It's like, okay, well, he's he's getting back to where his characterization was in the first game. Almost. Like, he's not all the way there yet. It's just, it just never worked for me. Like, a lot of this game is just, a lot of it is like, n- nothing works for me. And it's a shame. Because I really wanted to like this game. I liked the first game. And I thought, hey, maybe, you know, some more stories in this universe would be cool. Maybe this will go tell you a little bit what happens after the true ending of the first game. Nope. It doesn't do that at all. The true ending of this game is might be outright terrible. Because <laughs> here's some real spoilers here. The true ending essentially takes you back to 2025 when you record the video the video mail you get in the first game that leads you to going back the second time. But also there's a point in that true ending where Suzuha and Mayuri go back to that point of the good ending because that's how Mayuri is going to slap the sense into you. And that's what she's that's what basically she says she's going to do. In 2025, Okabe gets into like a prototype time machine and then goes off to find them. And then that's just that's your roll credits, that's the game ending. And it's like there's no satisfaction to that. There's no like, "Oh, I wonder how that's going to go." You're not going to be told. It's, it, it's such an unsatisfying ending, especially with how that first game it fakes you out at the, at, even before the good ending where it's like, all right, well, we wrapped it up. We we fixed the, the world line. Everything's back to normal. Myri's not going to die. Roll credits. And then Suzuha calls you up out of nowhere and's like, hey, what's up? I'm tra- I've time traveled from 2036. You got to get here real quick or else World War III is going to happen. And it's like, oh, <laughs> this game's still going. Science Gate Zero has none of that. Like, There's no fake outs. There's nothing in that true ending that makes you want to like that makes you excited to play anything else in the series which I don't know like how much they're actually going to do past this like I mean there's there's not much else they could really fill in gap wise unless they just start artificially making more gaps as they basically did with this game it's just a, this whole game's a disappointment and I hate saying that because like I love that first game but man it's such a disappointment and it kind of, there's an argument to be made about, like, the necessity of sequels. Which, I mean, obviously, companies are going to make sequels because it makes them money. If, if the first game made them a lot of money, they're going to keep milking that cash cow until it doesn't make them any more money. Which, I mean, that's fine. I get that. And sometimes that brings forth even better games. Like, the sequels sometimes are better than the original games. Sometimes it's just like, eh, I mean, it's cool that this, this universe is brought back, but maybe it wasn't the same as the first game or wasn't as good as the first game, but I can still find value in this. With this, it's a lot of, like I've said earlier, nothing of this game has any value to the original game, to the overall universe. It's pointless. The entirety of this game is pointless. None of the endings help you or make you feel good at all. Maybe they do like on their own, but as in terms of the overall story, they don't do anything. I mean, maybe for other people it might, but for me, I'm just like, I came away from that game mad because, like, nothing really happened. And it was just like, why why did I spend money on this game for literally nothing to happen for, like, 20 to 30 hours? It's just a big big shrug shoulder to you, the consumer, or the, the player. 
and just like did Signsgate really need a sequel that's the real question and if so like how could you have done it differently like I think like if maybe just do more misadventures of whatever the crew's doing I'd been fine with that or just like take this concept for Signsgate Zero and I think there's also a fan game that did this where it was just like here's some random stories from other world lines okay that's fine because you're not like just shoehorning in a game to fit into the original game and then making it more convoluted along the way. It's just like, here's these random bit stories that we just come up with. You know, have at it. Have fun. Sequels are going to continue to be made regardless of if they're good or not. And that's just the nature of the beast. But this is just a another example of a sequel that comes out and it's, it's meaningless. It's worthless. There's no redeeming value to this game whatsoever. If I hadn't played this, I would probably have been better off. I would probably... I'd probably like Steins Gate more than I do now. Like I, This game almost does a disservice to the first game by trying to shoehorn all these convoluted narratives and stories and plot holes and all of that and try and fit it all into the narrative of the first game. Like It almost tries to hold that first game back which is like terrible because you don't want that that first game on its own is real good I think the one thing to come away from this game is at least like there is an anime adaptation of this game coming and I'm curious to see how they handle it especially because the the plot line isn't linear it doesn't go for like a straight line like the first game does there's like you know there's that breaking point and then it goes off into two separate stories so I wonder how they'll do that if they'll just do one story first and then loop it back around. Because I think you could basically do that for the anime adaptation because you do have to go through one route first and then that is a way to trigger the true ending and then you could wrap back around and get the other way. So maybe that's how they do it. I don't know. That's basically the only thing I could say that I would actually be kind of curious about is to see how that anime adaptation goes because like, it's going to follow the same story as the game. The story of this game is not good. It's worthless. It's pointless. So, and I think like the one thing that I wanted to make or take away from this review is that like a lot of the games I reviewed for the site are all games that I've liked and they've all gotten the recommended tag because like a lot of the games I wanted to write about was like, I was like, I want to write about this game because you know, it does X, Y, and Z and I like all of those things. Or maybe it does this thing and reminds me of this game and blah, 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 blah. And one of like the criticisms I've had for myself is that I haven't been able to take any game that I've played and like have a negative review. Not necessarily a negative review, but it's like a review of something I didn't like and didn't think was good. Because there becomes a point in time when you're like reviewing stuff or being critical about stuff or if you're just if you're just reviewing all the stuff that you like it's not going to make you any better as like a critic or reviewer or anything. It's just like, Oh, I like this, this, this stuff right here. I have this niche. I'm just going to keep like looking at all that stuff and it's just going to suit all my taste. So I'm just going to keep saying good things about all the stuff I like. So you need to find that happy medium of like, here's stuff I like, here's stuff I think is good. Here's stuff I think is surprising, but also I need to look at stuff that I don't like. And I need to be critical of that and try and find a way to look at that and see, you know, how that'll make me better as like a critic or a writer or a viewer, all that sort of stuff. And just also as well, just like see 
it can help you appreciate games better, you know, the stuff that you like, but also it can help you appreciate stuff that you don't like and help you be more critical of just everything overall. There's a great quote from, uh, from William Wordsworth in one of his poems. It simply says, we murder to dissect. And I think that's one of the, the best lines in poetry ever. And it's very acumen to like criticism as well. Cause we do basically just take down everything and then just poke and prod at it to get everything that we want out of it. And maybe Science Gate Zero is a is a version of that. It pokes and prods at the first game a lot and tries to take things out of it that it wants to make the narrative the whole overall narrative of both games better. But at the same time, maybe there's a there's a point in time where you just you let sleeping dogs lie and you don't poke and prod at it and you just leave it be. You let that thing be its own thing. And that'll make it better overall and it'll make it better from for years to come. Sometimes sequels are good. Sometimes sequels like this one are bad. Steins Gate Zero gives the seasonal anime check up recommendation of not recommended. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed my <laughs> 25 minute rant about Steins Gate Zero. If not, send me an email, Jared at seasonalamecheckup.com or find the contact form on the website. You can tell me why you disagree with all my, my points about this game. I probably forgot about some stuff in this because I kind of just did this free form and didn't write a script or anything. It was just kind of going off the cuff and thinking off the top of my head. So there's probably some stuff I kind of goofed on. If so, you could send me a correction to that and I'll address it at some point in time. If not, hey, thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed. Uh, go check out some past episodes of the Seasonal Anime Checkup OVA, which you can find on iTunes, Google Play, sac.cool, seasonalanimecheckup.com. Those are the, your exclusive homes for this very podcast, which we talk about video games and anime. There's a new Seasonal Anime Checkup proper podcast, just Seasonal Anime Checkup episode number 12, which talks about fall 2016, looking forward to winter 2017 in anime. 2016 Game of the Year awards are up on the site as well. You can find those at SeasonalAnimeCheckup.com or SAC.cool. That's going to do it for this episode. Uh, we got some more episodes in the pipeline, or at least floating around in my head. So there should be more Seasonal Anime Checkup OVAs coming to you in the near future. I know I have ideas for at least three more episodes. One won't come for a, a good while. Like, I think 24 more weeks let's just say i don't know how that's like six months right sure we'll go with that uh the next two might come sooner rather than later hopefully it just depends on you know various circumstances and all that so look forward to those and i will catch you on down down the line i guess whenever the next episode comes out uh, thanks for listening hope you enjoyed this is the seasonal anime checkup ova